Welcome, good American patriots, to the Unity Without Compromise radio show. I'm Dr. Steve LaTulip, your host. Before I introduce you to a very special guest that I have with me today, I really want to thank you for joining me as we continue to do battle with the lowliest forces of evil that daily seek to divide us, to enslave us, and to destroy our very souls. I just think about everyone, including foreigners, who actually believe right now that America is seriously in trouble right now because America is at war with a domestic enemy who seeks to fully centralize their power and thereby render our constitution null and void. And that upsets me, and I hope it upsets you enough to stimulate you possibly to action. You see, what's really disturbing is that our greatest enemy is right now our own government that has raised up its ugly head in all ungodliness and has decided that the government knows what's best for you and for me. And they are doing their best to shove it down our throats by centralizing power and thereby taking power away from you and me. The power of the people isn't right, they say. Disarm them, starve them, scare them, and confuse them. Get them fighting among themselves, and eventually they will come around to our way of thinking. And that's the way our government thinks right now. So they think, I would beg to disagree with them. But what's even more disturbing than that is the sad fact that many ignorant Americans, now let's just say it, I don't want to use too harsh a term like stupid, but stupid is really how I define woke because it's a willful choice to be ignorant. But ignorant Americans are actually siding with these sinister politicians, and I just don't comprehend the darkness behind that. No surprise, though, it happened a long time ago when about one out of three colonists actually sided with the oppressive British government as they were preparing for the Revolutionary War. There was actually one third of the colonists who actually didn't want their freedom. They preferred comfort and safety. And so they would oblige the mother country, the homeland that was fully oppressing them. It's really hard for me to grasp that. But they did remain loyal to the crooked motherland. And thank God they lost the war. But we find ourselves in very much the same situation. The myth of a joyous one world order is found in one very simple principle. The greater the centralization of power, the less power has the individual. We as Americans have always prided ourselves on having that, you know, good old American can do mentality. That's why everybody loved that great American actor, John Wayne. He was a staunch individualist and everybody respected that and honored that, and we cherish, to this day, most of us, bold individuality. Because having bold individuality means that you're free. And so we want to mimic John Wayne, and we hold him up as a true American patriot. However, the bigger 
the government machine grows, the less can do is available to us as American citizens. Total government control of you means you can do nothing without the dictator's approval. Now that ought to concern you. You've no doubt heard the words already of Klaus Schwab, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That is their goal for you and me. When I first heard that statement, I, I was wondering, was that, an, did I just hear an exhortation or is that just wishful thinking? Or was that a command that was given to us? You will own nothing and you will be happy. You'll be happy because we will have duped you into thinking that. That is the carrot that they dangle before us constantly. Well, I assure you that people who own nothing are not happy people. In fact, they are miserable. You'll see this demonstrated in every communist country in the world today. You see the misery in China, in Iran, in North Korea. When people become possessed by government, that is, they become government property, they have no freedom, no property, and no joy. So don't be deceived into thinking you'll ever own nothing and be happy. That is a myth that needs to be blatantly exploded. I have seen firsthand what the World Economic Forum has to offer as I have traveled across the land, across the globe, and I say to you, no, thank you. I want no part of it. I can assure you that I am so opposed to government tyranny that I am most willing to fight it to the full extent necessary to defeat it. Yeah, the spirit of Patrick Henry still does live on in America, and I believe it strongly. And probably also in every country in the world, the world is made up of freedom-loving people who are fully oppressed for one simple reason. They don't know God. The leaders do not know God. But freedom lovers can never, never be silenced. There will always be an uproar and a pursuit of not happiness, but a pursuit of freedom, because freedom is absolutely a gift from God. And therefore, I will never be silent about American, uh, Americans being first and foremost a Christian nation. We are that because our Christian nation has at its foundation the words of Holy Writ in the Bible. But let's get back to that subject of centralized power, because that is a concern. Centralized power really violates every single principle of our constitutional liberty. And now let me introduce you to my guest. Her name is Mariah Gondero. Mariah is an attorney currently on staff with Advocates for Faith and Freedom, which is a group committed to preserving religious liberty. They're doing some amazing works right now, and they are gaining. The front of the battle is moving forward. Mariah received her law degree from Pepperdine University, and her primary focus is currently on defending religious freedom. She previously worked to oppose the abuses of government unions. Can you imagine dealing with that? 
In short, Mariah is a defender of individual rights, and she recently has been doing some really great stuff. I know Mariah personally, and I can attest to you that she is an amazing patriot. She is a committed Christian, and she is a warrior for truth and liberty. Mariah, thank you so much for your willingness to share a part of your life with us today, and I welcome you with open arms. Well, thank you so much for having me, Steve. I really, really appreciate it, and thank you for all the kind words you said about me. (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure, and I think you deserve those words, Mariah. Well, let me just say this. You know, this idea of a one-world order has actually been around for a long time. But, you know, to most people, it's really a fearful thing, and it should be. And it's not just because of what the Bible says. You know, a lot of people go into the book of Revelation, and they worry about being deceived and being strongly pressured to take that mark of the beast, which, of course, is a figurative language in that book, which is Jewish apocryphal literature. It's highly symbolic. But but it's concerning because they are worried that a one world power would be the ultimate example of centralized power. Now, Mariah, would you explain this? Why is centralized power regarded as such a horrible thing? I mean, does it have any merit at all? Is there anything good about it? Or is it truly something to be feared and to be stopped? Well, it's definitely something to be feared because, you know, we, we, um, have a constitutional republic in the United States. And the reason being is because we, the, the framers wanted um, localized representatives to represent the people. And the more centralized power you have, the farther away they are from the voice of the people. And, and what ends up happening is that they become beholden to just a small group of people who assert their will on an entire country. And that's what we've, we've seen even throughout the pandemic is you've had state governments who have completely usurped the, you know, typical checks and balances where, um, you know, decisions are made in the legislature and the legislators represent the people. And instead um, they declare, you know, states of emergency and governors and unelected bureaucrats make decisions and assert their will on the people. And so that's what's very dangerous about centralized power and why um, we should appreciate and and protect our republic. Well, you mentioned, you know, no checks and balances. I think that's exactly what a dictatorship is all about. Get rid of all the checks and balances. Don't challenge them in any way. Um, What examples do we right now see? How are we facing centralized power? I mean, I I look at every single government organization, every three-letter organization of the government, and it seems to me that that's all I am seeing is that they are power hungry. Can you give us some examples uh, that represent this centralization? Yes. Well, one example that we see right now is, is, is through big tech and even the federal government. I mean, Biden declaring you know, or trying to use big tech to, to crack down on what he considers to be, you know, non-truthful speech. I mean, that's, that's extremely dangerous that a federal government is using, you know, social media companies to censor people. And, 
and mo- you know, in 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 your case, we we saw the the Oregon Medical Board and in these boards even across the the United States having the same type of power that a judge has, and so they have the power to um, revoke licenses whenever they do, and and oftentimes those can even be for political reasons, and they have what's called judicial immunity. So when a judge makes a bad decision, you can't, you know, sue the judge, um, for damages. Right. But, and that's because judges go to school to be attorneys and they, and they know the law very well. And these boards have the same type of immunity. And so even if their, their decisions were clearly unconstitutional, such as they they take away someone's license without adequate due process they they have immunity and that's what we saw in your case what they did to you you didn't even get a fair hearing you didn't even get notice you didn't even get an opportunity to present your case before your license was suspended and you know we weren't able to sue them for damages and to hold them accountable and so we, we see that and then we also saw it throughout COVID-19, as I was saying earlier, um, you know, these governors having a lot of power and basically abolishing the legislature (laughs) and making decisions for everyone. Yeah, you know, some people are actually talking about a fourth branch of government. You know, we have the uh, legislative branch, executive branch, judicial branch, but then there's this other fourth branch, which is non-elected people who are actually making decisions. Um, and for the, for my listeners, say if you have not uh, been completely familiar with my circumstances, the the real truth is that I went public with a statement that yeah, number one, I didn't mask and neither did my staff, but that was not the real issue. The real issue was that I declared publicly that early treatment of these COVID patients works wonderfully and I had 100% success. That was my crime. And you see, they saw that the the jab, this so-called vaccine was coming forward and they knew it and they couldn't have that message out. So they acted very swiftly on that. But here is... A, a group, and this is a problem in every single state, all 50 states, the state medical boards have power and they have judicial immunity. Now that it's really ironic because these people will t- uh, very quickly tell doctors that, hey, you, you know, we're questioning your authority to say this, to treat this, to do this. And yet they will destroy our lives as they did mine for doing what I was supposed to do uh, according to me, to my oath as a doctor. But they claim judicial immunity and yet they don't even see the irony of the fact that these people on the medical boards, they're not even all doctors, they're businessmen, politicians, who knows what, selected by the governor. So if you have a real corrupt governor as Oregon mm-hmm. does, uh, we're in trouble. And the problem with judicial immunity is that these medical boards have no training whatsoever in judicial actions. They have no training uh, in the law, in jurisprudence, in anything. So they can say whatever they want. And because they are acting and given somehow that power, because we did not vote in that power, somehow they got it, right? And so they 
can declare judicial immunity. And that's really hard to understand. I mean, do you see what I'm saying by a fourth branch of government, Mariah? I don't know if you have been you know, aware of that term or people talking about that? No, I, I absolutely have. I've actually, you know, I've heard of them mention that even in, in California as well, like these um, public health officers, for instance, in these, in these public health departments. Um, I've, I've heard that in, in different counties where they're essentially their own branch because they're making laws, they're, un, they're unelected, the, the people didn't represent them, but they are they're still making laws. And I want to go back to um, just the danger of the, these, these boards so, and, and why judicial immunity for the boards are, is so dangerous. And, and it's because the judicial branch was set up to be a check on the government, right? The constitution in the Bill of Rights are, are a limit on, on government action, right? It, it, it not individuals, but the government. And so the fact that these board, the, the governor or these boards are often, you know, politicians or businessmen with connections to the government is, is very dangerous and not how our, our framers would have at- intended it at all. Um, yeah. And if, also I mean, gives them a conflict of interest. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a total abuse of power in my fight with the Oregon medical board. I mean, when they suspended my medical license for simply me doing my job and doing it darn well, um, I filed in a, I actually filed a lawsuit against them in federal court. And you're fully aware of that because you were assisting me. But because the Oregon medical board um, was its own entity, they, uh, and they wanted to attack me for going public with that good news of successfully treating COVID patients, um, right after I filed that lawsuit, they started uh, proceeding in retaliation. They actually opened up bogus investigative cases against yes. me, and they have a couple still open that go back as far as five years. And and I mean, totally bogus, totally fraudulent, no basis uh, of truth in them whatsoever. But they intended to take me down so that I would have that lawsuit thrown out. And the judges bought what they say, whatever they say, hook, line and sinker. Now, what I'm wondering is, is that just because I happen to have the misfortune of living in Oregon? Or do you think that would happen in all 50 states? I think that it definitely depends on where you live, (laughs) which is kind of unfortunate about our judicial system right now um, is that, you know, in liberal states, judges are going to are going to decide differently. Um, We call them activist judges where they are not actually interpreting the Constitution. They are representing the will of either the people that, you know, put them into power or or their own um, politics. And that's what's really unfortunate and not how our judicial system is supposed to be made up. It shouldn't be that you you have to move to a different state like Texas or, or Idaho to receive, you know, a fair representation and have a judge that actually represents the Constitution. But I am hopeful because with the current Supreme Court we have, I've seen, you know, for instance, during COVID-19, the Supreme Court admonished, you know, California five times for their unconstitutional orders. And then eventually the lower courts, you know, started to abide 
by the Supreme Court and abide by the Constitution. And so I think as the as the Supreme Court consistently renders, you know, decisions that are consistent with the, the Constitution, you know, the lower courts have to have to follow the Supreme Court. And, and I think eventually it's going to it's going to uh, spread throughout the United States where all the judges are are more uniform now. And because they're they're forced right to follow the Supreme Court, and we have a, a very conservative Supreme Court that is intent on defending the Constitution and overturning even the decisions that were clearly in contradiction to the Constitution. Right, right. You know, the the fact is, centralized power violates every principle of constitutional freedom. And because of that, I mean, if you look at these leftists uh, in the blue, blue states, they uh, they ignore the Constitution, and that is not by accident. They don't want to the Constitution brought up. They want to be the final authority, and that is by definition a dictatorship. And we have to fight it because um, I see a whole lot of centralization of power in, as I said, in every three-letter organization. Look at the CIA. Look at the NIH, the CDC, the World Health Organization, although that's not uh, national, uh, that's, you know, the world, the global uh, powers that be. But the very scary thing right now for most people, most Americans, is that we now have a government that is fully supporting the agenda of the CCP and the World Economic Forum, and they're all for it. And the more mm-hmm. that they succeed in centralizing power, you know, if it, if it continues to proceed, then we're going to be at a point where what's the use? I mean, it, mm-hmm. if we don't have a constitution to appeal to, we have only one other option. And that other option is simply a revolutionary war to take back our country. So um, I'm just, I, let me just say this. I'm really thankful to God that I no longer live in Oregon. Now, I, I didn't realize it until I left, but you know, I moved to Oregon in 2000 and I left uh, just a, actually a few weeks ago, less than a month ago. And I now reside in Arizona and um, Oregon. Actually, the time I lived in Oregon was the greatest amount of time I spent in any one place simply because I was in the military before. So I traveled a lot. I was a minister. I traveled for that. I went to seminary in Ohio. I was preaching in Kentucky. So I've done a lot of traveling. But I can tell you this, after living in Oregon for 21 Uh, plus years, almost 22 years, uh, it's a stark contrast compared to what life is like uh, under the full sun here of Arizona, because there's a a feeling of freedom here, a feeling of absence of oppression. But when you go to Oregon, these people are darkly oppressed. And guess Mm -hmm. what? There is no joy among them. And so we, I think that it's safe to say that the more that the government centralizes power, the more they oppress us and the unhappier we mm-hmm. become. So I'm guessing, you know, I, I realize, um, you know, you don't have a whole lot of, of medical knowledge, Mariah, you're not a medical doctor, and I don't expect you to understand all the science and the science fiction, even uh, pertaining to things like the COVID response, but I think you're pretty tuned into it all. You've had to have been with the things you've been fighting. But I'm guessing that you might have something to say about the emergency powers that states are now claiming to have, and I'm saying claiming by themselves, 
which seems now to have no limits whatsoever, doesn't it? I mean, our, defended, our demented fake president right now has again extended the emergency order. And isn't yes. that an abuse of power? How is he getting away with this? It's That is actually one of the things that scares me most about COVID-19 is the the fact that the these governors have been relying on their emergency services, the emergency services act and their emergency powers to um, issue decisions and orders that have the full effect of, of law when it, when typically you have orders that have to go through the legislature. And so the emergency powers are only supposed to be when there's really an emergency. So and, how are they getting away with it then? Because it, clearly there is not an emergency. I mean, uh, most people, if you ask them the, the concern of, of the whole COVID thing right now is probably about 1% or less. I mean, people are fed up with it, aren't they? Well, the problem is, is for instance, in California, we are the only organization that I'm aware of that is trying to end the state of emergency because under the emergency services act, it says you have to end it when it is at the earliest moment possible, right? You can't just continue to extend it and extend it and extend it to um, have flexibility. That is not what the Emergency Services Act was supposed to be used for. But the problem is, is it's, it's, it's usually used so little um, that there's not a lot of case law on it. It's not really been even interpreted because governors have typically not even used it. And that's, it, what, that's crazy to me because we've been in you know, far greater emergencies than now. Right. And the fact that the governors are still relying on their emergency services power is absolutely an abuse of power. We filed in Orange County. Yes. And yes. We're hoping the judge does the right thing. But the reality okay. is, is if, if we don't have a judge that decides in our favor, the governors are going to be able to continue to just con- extend the Emergency Services Act. Okay, so you've got me real curious, Mariah, right now about what the Emergency Services Act actually says. I mean, what is the wording and are they ignoring that wording in the same way that they're ignoring the Constitution? And how do we fight that? Well, they, so every state will have a, a different um, Emergency Services Act, but I mean, they, they still operate the same in that there has to be an extreme peril, right, where um, the legislature doesn't have enough time to, to issue orders. That's the purpose of the Emergency Services Act. That's not the case now. I mean, we, we can allow the legislature to, to make rules and orders um, to you know, address any type of you know, COVID-19 issue right now. Um, okay, so can you know, I ask you it, this? used during war, for instance. Like if, if, if you have someone attack you and you have to hurry up and, and order something and you can't, the legislature, you know, it takes so much time to go through b- both House and Senate. Um, so you have the governor, you know, issue a directive. That's those are the types of circumstances it's supposed to be used in. Right. And instead, what we're seeing is a perpetual pandemic. And I think that we have to say, if we're going to be honest, that this is this has nothing to do with the virus, even though the virus and the shot, uh, in my opinion, are clearly, clearly a bioweapon. We're seeing the harms mm-hmm. of this every day. But but this um, emergency extension, one extension after the other, as you said, uh, we're not dealing with an emergency, but 
we might be dealing with something else. And I wonder, you know, do you think this has anything or perhaps does it have everything to do with the midterm election? I, I think it definitely is part of a power grab because what we saw before the 2020 elections is the, the governors using their emergency powers to enforce mail-in balloting. And we know just through other states that um, mail-in balloting is less secure than in person, which is why most countries, most developed countries do not allow mail-in balloting. But another thing is, I believe there are certain states that want to see how far they can go. And this is the dangerous precedent that we're setting, is that if we can allow the governors right now to continue to use their emergency services power, how far are they going to go? What if they what what if they use their emergency powers um, to fight gun, you know, to enforce gun control? Right. That's a good um, point. It's an excellent point. It, it's so it's very dangerous and it is so important. And I'm, and I'm hoping that the judge in Orange County does the right thing that we interpret these acts very narrowly and keep them very narrow, right? Only used in real emergencies where it is not feasible for the legislature to act. That's the only time it should be used. We can't keep, well, you know, no, it has to be super narrow because it, 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 it's really a slippery slope. That's, that's what I see. If we, if it we is keep totally. giving the governor more and more power, where's that gonna lead, right? I totally agree. There's no end to it. And I agree with you fully that they will push this. They are pushing this. They're doing everything they can to extend this. That's why we're hearing about monkey virus uh, or the monkeypox virus. We're, we're hearing about Sitka virus. We're, uh, we're just going to hear about every virus in the world because it worked so well the first time that, hey, let's continue using this. We have to do what we can because the abuse of the Emergency Powers Act has been overwhelmingly successful and that to our harm as Americans. Well, we're going to take a real short break and be right back. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. 
All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latulip and my very special guest today, Mariah Gondiero. She's an attorney with Advocates for Faith and Freedom. Uh, remember that this show does air on Saturdays and Sundays at 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern. It then goes to a podcast and you can access the podcast and my weekly columns at AmericaOutloud.com. I also wrote a book and I really want to push this um, not for any other reason, but the fact that it addresses the issue of unity in a really big way. And since the actual real Lord's Prayer in John 17 was just that, it was a prayer for unity. But Jesus didn't talk about unity at all cost. He didn't encourage unity by dividing the Christian body into hundreds of denominations. And in fact, he condemned it and called this division sin. And I think mm -hmm. we should call it that too. But the Lord's kind of unity comes through his word, the Bible. When Jesus prayed for unity of his disciples, he said, I have given them your word. He mm -hmm. asked that the heavenly father sanctify them by your truth. And then he declared your word is truth. And that's why we must interpret scripture soundly and accurately. And that's why any of you who are listening to the show on a regular basis, you know, this is my soapbox because interpretation Sound interpretation of scripture means that we have a basis for Christian unity. And it also mm. provides the authors of this great nation's most profound documents with the inspiration of heart to establish a Christian foundation on which to stand. And that's exactly why America became so great, because we are a Christian nation and we should never, never be ashamed of that. So with Having said that, I want to remind you of uh, an old French historian named Alexis de Tocqueville. He once wrote that a man's admiration of absolute government, that's total centralization of power. He said, a man's admiration of absolute government is proportionate to the contempt he feels for those around him. So I just want to ask Mariah this question. Mariah, would you call this... Uh, these words of Alexis de Tocqueville, a theory, or would you say it's a law, or is it just one man's opinion on the impact of centralized government? I mean, I would, I would definitely agree with, with him and, and say it's a, it's a theory, not just an opinion. 
Okay, I would buy that. You know, he also stated in his great writing, um, it's called, his book is called Democracy in America. And yes, we are a free republic, but the words they used had a little different meaning way back when. Uh, America always has been a constitutional republic, and we are very proud of that for good reason, because that gives us our freedom. But Mr. de Tocqueville also stated that a free republic simply cannot endure apart from a Christian society. Now, mm -hmm. speaking uh, as an attorney, Mariah, would you agree with that statement? Because you are also a Christian attorney. Yes, absolutely. I mean, because the principles of the, you know, the Bill of Rights and, and the Constitution are, are based off of, of, of freedom, right? Absolutely. And, and so I always say that um, the strength of our of our constitution is based off of the you know the the willingness of the people to fight to protect it. If we're not willing to fight to protect it, then I mean that's when people can come and and destroy our constitution. And and absolutely, I mean you you see the degradation of our you know founding principles and and schools and you know that's you know, you know, trying to undermine our, our, our founding principles and, and talk about how terrible America it was and, and even, you know, take down the, the family, the family structure, right. And, and make schools very secularized. Um, so you see the breakdown of our, of our culture and our, our founding principles and even in, in the damage that it's done. I mean, nothing good has, has come out of it, of, of abandoning our, our principles. Most definitely. And Mariah, let me just, uh, I want to truncate the words you use. You said that it was based on, I mean, the success of America to survive as a free republic was based on the willingness of the people to fight for the Constitution. Now, that willingness of the people is essential. And for someone to be willing to, to fight for the Constitution we have to also have a country, a nation, a group of individuals who are united in the fact that we have a people who are willing to abide in the ways of truth, in the ways of goodness. Yes. In other words, we need to be a good people with moral values, with a proper Christian ethic that says you don't trample your neighbor, you don't take advantage of one another, you love your neighbor as yourself. And that was the the main principle that God said, he said, you, you know, when he was asked the question, what must I do? He says, love the, the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, if we cannot get to that point, and I would suggest there's no way we can get to that point unless you are a Christian. And I'm talking about a real genuine Christian, at yes. least striving for that, then America is done for. But to the extent that we are a people who are willing to abide by sound principles, we can fight this and we can become the most powerful nation again in a heartbeat. And I believe that very fully. Yes, um, I, I, I completely ag agree with that too. And you know, it's interesting, I just thought of something that one of the ways that um, of dictators, you know, assert power is not just through the suppression of speeches, but bringing conflict between neighbors, um, turning neighbors 
against themselves. And boy, have, have we seen that in so many ways and very subtle ways, right? Where the government has tried to, to segregate people. You, you see that in school. You saw that during COVID-19 where it's in, in our culture and our society has become, become so tribalistic, right? Absolutely. Which is so back to your point, you know, where Jesus even, you know, we, became sick and tired of all the, uh, of all the different, you know, dom- denominations. We're, we're seeing that everywhere. Everything's being labeled. Now you're being labeled as something. Right. And so it's, yes. Oh, you're that person. I'm this person. Oh, exactly. You're that. And so you're literally trained We're we're training ourselves and our mind to see them as the other, right. Or even the enemy in schools in colleges. I mean, that's literally how they treat people. Um, young people now they can't even they can't even tolerate people's differences it's a very very scary time and it's 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 just very sickening to me because our brains are now trained that way exactly right yeah i mean what you're talking about mariah you know is that the the enemy knows how to attack us and you know since america is presently being attacked by so much communist ideology we know that religion and specifically when i say religion i'm talking christianity must be directly attacked i mean and i've also seen a lot of churches um fail they caved to the illegal mandates that included lockdown shutdown social distancing sheltering in place and most recently this so-called vaccine and the mandates now still we do have some church leaders that have remained obedient to God rather than to man. I mean, haven't we? And are, they are the ones being persecuted right now, aren't they? Um, have you, Mariah, have you had any, any victories? You've dealt with this to some extent. Would you like to share anything on that point? Oh, yes. <laughs> In California, I mean, I, I always said that COVID-19 really showed, I don't want to say the true Christians, but I would say the bold Christians really showed who the bold Christians were because we represented um, a lot of pastors who were not willing to back down and, and comply with these illegal mandates that were telling them to shut down their churches while essential businesses like pet stores and, and weed shops could remain open. They said, absolutely not. We have a constitutional right to stay open and gather. And we're definitely more essential than a weed shop or even a bike store we are going to stay open. Eventually the Supreme court vindicated them. Um, but, but what was so sad is there were other churches that were literally turning against them. And I was thinking, this is so absurd. You have, you have basically bowed down and and cowered in fear. And now you're turning against, you know, your own brethren and the people who are willing to fight for your rights. I was so disappointed with that. We're representing a pastor, Mike McClure in Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel, San Jose um, in, in Santa Clara County. And this county is in Silicon Valley and they're the most egregious county I have ever dealt with. Even after the Supreme court has spoken and admonished California five times for their unconstitutional orders, they still want to collect from, Pastor Mike McClure, $2.87 million, because during the entire COVID-19 pandemic, McClure did not shut down his church. He kept gathering and they are so disappointed that they want to punish him and make an example out of him. And what 
even I um <laughs> you're saying they want to punish him because he stayed open when they could stay shut down and collect money from the government. Yes. And, okay. So that sounds yeah. to me like Mariah, that sounds to me like it's worshiping money rather than God. Is it not? And you cannot serve two masters. You, you cannot serve two masters, but they're also worship, worshiping themselves. This is also a pride issue. The, the County council there is just so upset because this, this county issued crippling fines. So most businesses, they all, they all cave and they're like, no, we're not going to deal with this. Churches, they all shut down. They're mad that this one county or this one church stood strong and violated their orders. And they even told me, or one of their attorneys one time said during a hearing that this is about the rule of law. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, it is about the rule of law. This is about the United States Constitution not Santa Clara County's law. You guys are in defiance to the Supreme Court. You're not a dictator. You don't get to make rules however you want. You actually have to abide by the Supreme Court. You guys are the ones who are in violation, not my client. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely <laughs> makes sense. Um, we have to have a respect for the Constitution. Okay, so Mariah, since I got you on this show, let me put a little pressure on you here in a fun way. Okay? <laughs> All right, so... As a Christian constitutionalist attorney, that is what you are, right? What you claim to be. Yes. And yes. Okay. And because of the signs of the times, I just have to ask you, because this topic has been coming up an awful lot and you already brought it up. Okay. So you triggered me. Um, do you have any opinion on the second amendment? Do you ever talk about it? Does it ever come up in your discussions? I'm just curious. Well, I'm primarily First Amendment, but I absolutely um, believe in the in the in the Second Amendment. I grew up in Montana, where um, I mean there was a sense of pride when you can you could get to a certain age and you know shoot your first gun or, or buy your own gun, and and also there was um, a sense of respect. Right, people were very careful with guns, and and and, and you you were you're taught about safety right people people respected the ability to be able to you know buy their own gun and and and, and hunt and provide for their family and exactly. so it, it, right. it definitely it, it it bothers me living in LA when people talk about gun control and they say guns are the issue and I'm thinking well in Montana you have more guns per capita sure right, right. so it, it's a culture thing and it's a people thing it, because in LA in the inner cities a lot of those people can't aren't supposed to be getting guns and they're still getting guns and they they're shooting people. The problem is these people, yeah. you know, the, the criminals who are getting the guns have no training, perhaps, uh, in gun ownership and gun safety and, and being a responsible citizen, because let's face it, anyone who carries concealed, uh, whether you're a constitutional carry state or not, I mean, there goes a tremendous responsibility with carrying a weapon. But let's remember that the Second Amendment really isn't ultimately, or at least primarily about um, protection, personal protection. It's about fighting a rogue government. Now, do you have any opinion on that, Mariah, that you can share with us? I mean, yes, absolutely. That's, that's the reason why the Second Amendment was implemented. It was to protect against government tyranny, right? 
Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mentioned this, I believe, on last week's show, and I think I should say, state it again. Uh, when we look at the 50s, the 60s, when we were gaining in our nuclear power, we had a tremendous nuclear force at that time. And we had the technology, we had the men to use it, the equipment to launch missiles against our enemies should they decide to act against us. But most importantly, we have the will to use it. And because of that will to use our nuclear arms, we were a powerful deterrent against the Russians during the entire Cold War. And I would say the absolute parallel to this is the Second Amendment, because if we as American citizens are armed, we are loaded with ammunition at home, and we say, you know yes. what, if our government goes rogue, we are coming after you. And in no uncertain terms, because that is exactly what the Second Amendment is about. And how does that how does it affect our government? Well, what it does is it causes the government to respect the citizens. And if they are doing wrong, to fear the citizens. And if your government has no means of fearing the people, then I guarantee you the people shall fear the government. And you yes. don't want to be in that position. So I see a strong potential in the wisdom that our founders of this nation gave us through that second Bill of Rights. And we need to talk about it. We need to address it and say, yeah, this is a valid part of our Constitution. And we should discuss it along with every other of the uh, bits of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, they all have their place and a value. Yes, I, I think it, it is, is so important. And, and I oftentimes, the reason why I know people don't understand the reason, you know, for the Second Amendment um, or the purpose of it is I oftentimes hear people, um, you know, acquaintances in LA or, you know, wherever I'm at, not in Montana, <laughs> but other places say well you know other most countries you know they they have strict gun laws and then i say well they also don't have a second amendment they don't have a constitutional right to bear arms and one time i even i even heard one of my friends say well well then we should <laughs> i couldn't even believe she said this well then I, I i think you know in order to protect one another we should be willing to give up our right Right, but right. And thinking, you know what? That that's, is so that's sad. Anti, that's that. anti-American. That's an anti-American statement. What defines America is an armed citizenry based on a constitution that is a just standard. That's the but, beauty of it. We but have that's a slippery to slope, too. It's a slippery slope again. Oh, indeed it is. It's, it's actually, yes, it's really the beginning of an end. And the end will yeah. come swiftly if they were ever to disarm us. And therefore... I, for one, will refuse at all costs, no matter the cost, I will never allow them to disarm me. Yes, so, exactly. Mariah, can I ask you this? You know, we're living in hard times right now because we are in a war. We are embattled against a government gone bad. What role does the average American citizen play in this war right now for justice and liberty for all? I mean, is there something that everyday citizens should be doing that we are not now doing? I want to go back to, you know, the statement I made earlier that the, the Constitution, the First Amendment is only as powerful as the willingness of the people to protect it. I mean, we can't 
give up. We cannot become desensitized. That's what we've seen throughout COVID-19. I mean, we people have literally forgot about how our government is supposed to function, that we have checks and balances. We've kind of just been following everything so blindly, right? But that's also been intentional because you have, you know, schools that aren't educating, educating people on um, the, the First Amendment and, um, or, or, you know, informing people of how the, um, the Constitution is, is, supposed to, is, to, is supposed to work. Sure. Absolutely. So we have to fight our own battles, fight the battles in our schools, be a parent, do not allow your children, please, to receive an immunization or what's called a vaccine. It is not a vaccine. It has no hope of any benefit and every harm in the world, including death. And any parent that does that or any parent that will send their child into a public school, knowing full well that they will be exposed to pornography, to critical race theory, um, I would have to question you, please, what are you doing as a parent? I think that is so essential to making America great. Again, parents must be parents. Isn't that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Because the reason why we have people who are so willing to accept what's going on is because they haven't been educated on our constitution and the school systems. You have so many teachers who are, are, who are teaching and spreading anti-American ideals. Right. And that, you know, students are taught to believe that America was terrible and evil. And so absolutely. Yeah. And it now begins in, um, you know, in preschool and in kindergarten, and goes all the way up through through the universities. And these people are just plain evil. They are anti-American. I totally, totally agree. Well, Mariah, you have given us uh, some good words today. I'm so grateful that you've been able to sh- share those thoughts. And I commend you for fighting the fight, for being a bulldog for justice, a warrior for Christ, and just taking a stand for what is right. And um, I'm just excited whenever I am talking to someone like you who really has a handle on the big picture, and that's on God's big picture. So Mariah, thanks for doing such a great work. It has been a total honor and pleasure having you on this show today. Would you please, Mariah, share with our listeners your contact me, uh, information and any social media handles that you might like to share? Yes. Well, you can um, support and follow our organization, Advocates for Faith and Freedom, uh, faith-freedom.com. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter and social media, um, Mariah.Gondero. And yeah, you can follow along all the, all the cases we're working on. And like, I work for an organization that is focused on protecting the First Amendment. And there's nothing more important than that. So uh, please, uh, good people, uh, let's support our advocates for faith and freedom. This is exactly where we need to go. And if we follow that, we might have a future. Mariah, thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, good (laughs) patriots, 
if we are going to actually win this war um, on uh, a war against us by a domestic enemy that absolutely hates you, that hates your country, and that hates our God, it is going to be because of people like Mariah Gandhiro. These are not conventional times. We have to get that through our heads. And therefore, we must use non-conventional strategies to fight this wicked opponent who is determined, fully determined, to enslave us all, every last one of us. Remember that this enemy who seeks to centralize power into a one-world order that has they have just one key weapon, and that weapon is propaganda, otherwise known as lies, and they are cunning. They are not crazy. They are cunning. They know what they are doing. They are intelligent, and they are after your mind and your soul, and we must not give it to them on a platter. Because their greatest weapon is propaganda, that means that our greatest weapon is truth. And all truth is God's truth. And our greatest weapon includes prayer. We must pray for boldness to speak the truth. We must pray for courage to face and to confront this wicked enemy. And yes, we must be praying for the ability also to love our enemies enough to confront them and to bring them to the knowledge of truth if that is at all possible, and to the greatest extent possible when within us, we should pursue that. And remember that ultimately, ultimately, with God, all things are possible, and that's called living on faith. We must never lose sight of that. Please, please do your best this week to use these weapons of war, and remember that our battle will ultimately be won. This war will be won one day, and we can be sure of that. We can rest fully assured in that, but what it will never be won by complacency. We just need to remember that by compromise with the devil, by calling evil good. Every time we do that, we are we are obliging the enemy. We are supporting the enemy. And if you're not doing anything, then we're, you're simply burying your head in the sand. This is a time for action. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my guest, Mariah Gondiero. Until next week, adieu.